Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a But don't be afraid. That's why we give you Weekend Fantasy Update. Woohoo! Number two of Weekend Fantasy Update on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for joining us on TuneIn on iHeartRadio. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, we're going to talk some football this hour. Well, one thing I left out, Luke Voigt got hit in the face with a pitch, and he's fine. You don't see that every day, George. Well, he got, uh, left, I mean, left. I'm not I'm not, I'm not minimizing. I mean, he sort of got grazed in the cheek slash mouth there. He didn't hit, didn't hit him flush. Or else he wouldn't be here. It wasn't uh, a Giancarlo Stanton situation, certainly. But no, it wasn't. It wasn't that. And, uh, and I don't know if actually, I don't know if he wore, if he would have worn that thing. I don't know if that would have protected. him. He turned his head. It might. He still might have gotten hit where he got hit. Uh, yeah. But he got, he got uh, more. It's more than grazed. I mean, I, I wouldn't want it to happen to me. But he did not get hit anywhere near flush. So uh, he lucked out. And then a couple, a couple of pitches, a couple of innings later, we're high to uh, Austin Romine. We're now see, the Yankees and CC are on the uh, top of the bench yelling. I don't think any of them were on purpose, mind you. But, uh, you know, yeah. it comes down to baseball. You can't control your pitches here. And you already hit one guy in the head. You're going to have some issues. You know, the last thing you want, hey, you don't want to fight the Yankees. They have so many big guys. I mean, we saw that fight last year with Boston when the Yankees were pushing all the Boston players into the Boston dugout. You start throwing Judge, Batonsis, uh, Sabathia out there, and these guys. Uh, but you, you don't want that stuff happening. I mean, you, you got to be safe. The guy can't control his pitches. you got to get him out of there. Because what's going to happen is sooner or later, the Yankees are going to say, listen, we don't think it's on purpose, but we're getting hit. Someone on your team now has to pay the price. You know, maybe yeah. that's Arenado. Maybe that's Blackman. You know, unless you want someone like, uh, you know, you got Ottavino throwing mid-90s, Conley throws mid-90s, one of these Yankee relievers saying, hey, let's go, here we go. You know, and we're start World War Three on a nice hot day today. So you got to control your stuff. But Luke Voigt, uh, yeah, I don't think the Yankees will play him today. I think they'll give him a day off. I haven't seen the Yankee lineup yet. I think they'll give him a day off here, but he's he's fine. He, uh, you're not going to have any problems. Uh, okay, so we'll turn the page over to the NFL, and obviously this is a big story that came out on Friday. I wasn't here yesterday, so I'm going to talk through it with George. I know he had an opportunity on multiple shows to talk about it, but Tyreek Hill will not be disciplined by the NFL, uh, given the given the amount of evidence that they have in front of them at this moment. They've decided not to discipline him. Obviously, he's not being prosecuted by the local authorities. So I've gotten to a point where I've said this many times on air. It doesn't mean I think these guys are great guys, nor should they get away with anything. Uh, some of them. Obviously, I'm, I'm not casting an entire blanket over NFL players. But if the American justice system and local authorities don't have the wherewithal to properly prosecute players involved in these types of incidents, I find it difficult to start wagging my finger at the NFL for not taking it further than the local authorities did. If they suspended him, I wouldn't. I wouldn't stick up for him really, in, in any significant way. But I do find it odd that the policy continues to change, and people want the NFL to do more than the local authorities can do. So I'll put that in front of you, and, and we can talk through it. Well, when you put it that way, I kind of agree with you. That once again, what do you expect the NFL to do if the uh, local uh, police, you know, what, whatever authorities can't do anything? The NFL has no power of uh, subpoena. And we've seen so many times, including in this case, where the accuser all of a sudden decides not to talk to the NFL. And Crystal, uh, was it Crystal Espinosa, something like that? She did, uh, whatever yeah. her name is. Espinosa. All of a sudden decided not to talk to the NFL. Now, I know what that means. 
I assume most people put two and two together. Money was involved here. We see this all the time. Yeah, it's never announced. I mean, even in, uh, uh, take Kevin Spacey and his accuser, all of a sudden he stopped. Uh, Spacey's accuser stopped uh, his, his proceedings. Money was exchanged. He, they'll deny it all, but money was exchanged, Dan. So you can believe what you want. You want to believe that, uh, you know, hey, I have swamp land in Iowa to sell you. You know, you want a bridge? Sure. Oceanfront property in, uh, in Montana. Uh, it's the way the real world works here. Money was exchanged. Guys, have the money get away with things. I think that's just the way it is. But I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. What do you expect the NFL to do? It's the NFL. They're not the police. They're not the FBI. They're not CIA. They're not, sure, they have investigators, but they're not, that's not what they're supposed to be doing here. They run their business. You know, so I, I wholeheartedly agree with you there. What do you expect the NFL to do? They don't have the power. You know, they're sure they can investigate, but they don't have the power to force anybody yeah, to look, tell them things. Right. And, like, they have a lot of money, and could they pay people off to acquire tapes and all this kind of stuff? Yeah, you can go down that rabbit hole if you want but in the instance of the uh kareem hunt scenario they did request uh film from the hotel and the hotel refused to give it to him. it just got to a certain point where i believe tmz or some other organization uh had a freedom of information act or something like that to finally get the tape released forgive me if i'm short on the details there but I do think the NFL should investigate with their full wherewithal, but if they get to a, if they're deadlocked and they can't get to a point where they have some admission of guilt or actual proof of that something was done, I don't know what you want them to do. The authorities aren't pressing charges on him, so um, I, don't buy a jersey, don't draft him on your fantasy team. I I I don't know what to say beyond that, I, and I I sometimes feel like I put myself in the position of defending the league, but I I don't really understand. What you'd want that person to do if it's any other sort of business, if there's no evidence and nobody's being charged with anything, then you just move on um, and just know that this guy might be a bad dude. We already know about his major incident that got him expelled from Oklahoma State. So uh, you can you don't really have to withhold judgment on the type of person that he is uh, based on this incident. There's already another incident with which you can derive what kind of guy he is, uh, whether he's gone through therapy or not. I can't really speak to it. There are a couple of things for me. Uh, one, you know, when you compare, oh, you know, TMZ got the video, but that's TMZ's job. They want stuff True. like that. The NFL does the NFL really want to pay? I don't, I don't know, one hundred fifty thousand dollars for a video that's going to make their league look bad. <laughs> it doesn't make really much sense for the NFL to go high and out of their way. You know, they may have tried, but they weren't disappointed that they were turned down. That sort of thing. And if you want to get on the NFL for that, fine. Go ahead and do that. You know, so I, I, this doesn't make sense. Uh, I don't know if I defend the NFL, but I do defend Roger Goodell sometimes. Only because Goodell do, is yeah. a mouthpiece. All he's I doing agree. is what the owners want him to do. Sure, you can yell at Goodell, but you know why you're yelling, yelling at, you know what, why Goodell gets paid 40-plus million? Because guess who you're not yelling at? Take all your heat. You're not That's yelling right. at Jerry Jones. You're not yelling at Daniel Schneider. You're not yelling at Robert Kraft, the owners. You know, in this case, the uh, you're not yelling at the, uh, the the KC owners, you know, for what you know once again employing this guy. You know, listen, I think Tyree kills a scumbag. Thought thought it before this incident. Certainly think about it now, because even in best case scenario that he didn't he didn't do this. Well, he knows who did and did nothing about it. You know, so either way you look at it, he's just it's hard. And that that audio recording, you know, you should be you better be afraid of me, bitch, too. That sort of thing. There's more to that recording than just that, but that puts him in a bad light as well. Now, if you're asking me why he didn't get suspended, I think it's a, a lot of reasons here. I don't think the NFL wanted another court fight, mainly because this is the 100. There's a reason why the NFL wants the CBA done in September. This is the 100th yeah, they don't year want us celebration talking, of the NFL. They don't want D. Smith. They don't a, want uh, us talking yeah. about a suspension. They don't want a court case going on here. I think that's a huge part of it, is that they don't want this to over, overshadow that. So the, I think uh, Terry Hill got lucky that this is the year he did it. You know, I also thought you bring up the uh, Damore Smith, and I think once again they're negotiating. And although I don't think the NFL, I don't think the union's going to fight hard to get uh, to make uh, to have Goodell lose that power because it affects so few players. It makes no sense to give up something yeah. that they like for to defend two players a year. It makes no sense there. But still, it would put the negotiations maybe in a bad light and hard to uh, hard to move on from. And that sort of yeah. thing here. As they, they don't kills. want D, D. Smith and Eric Winston of the NFLPA. They don't want these guys on a publicity tour during the 100th uh, anniversary of the league. I think it's going to happen anyway, but they certainly don't want it. It's, the fact that they're trying to get the CBA done before the season is hilarious to me. I don't think there's any chance of it happening. And I think, me either. you know, they're, it's too they're just trying to put 
they're just trying to put the ball in, in the NFLPA's court, make them, try to make them look bad, which which further hurts the negotiations. You know, I heard some things earlier this summer, just a few weeks ago, listening to Ryan Russell's podcast where he had D. Smith and Eric Winston on, and they were actually – they don't concede anything publicly, but I think D. Smith even said that he and Roger have a job to do, but the relationship was in a good place. And I I took it as a positive, not that it was going to get done this summer, but as a positive that maybe they weren't as far away or as contentious as I thought six months to a year ago, where I thought, Jesus, there might be a lockout. And frankly, the NFLPA sent notes out to all the agents earlier this offseason saying, just be prepared that in the next couple of years, there that's could always be some a sort ploy, of a lockout. Though. Of course. Yeah, that, that, that's always a ploy because they want the, you know, once it's all PR. What I was going to say about Tyreek Hill, and, and as far as uh, fantasy leagues, uh, you can be morally uh, outraged. I certainly, like I said, I, I think the guy said it before. I think the guy's scum. That being said, uh, if I, yes, you're in your basic, you're in your basic home league. You know, your family, your friends, no money's involved here, and you don't want to draft Tyreek Hill. That's fine. That's fine. But Mike, you know, if I'm in a money league, <laughs> or I'm gambling, or I'm playing DFS, I'm trying to win money. I treat I don't treat Tyreek Hill any differently. He's a second round pick in fantasy leagues. That's where he should go. You know, and it could be a Sunday if I'm going to play him on DFS because he's a good price. Yes, he's in my lineup. If I'm going to bet an over-under on Terry Kill over 75 and a half yards receiving that Sunday, it's money. That could help me pay my bills. I'm not going to be morally outraged and hurt myself because of, I think, well, because of what I think about him. Ben Roethlisberger is scum of the air, too. But he's on my fantasy teams. I'll bet it's Burr. Yeah. I can't, be, I can't be hypocritical about any of this stuff. I, I, There are guys out there that take moral stances. I'm in no way critical of that. But I can't be hypocritical in saying that, well, I've taken a stance on one guy. I cut Reuben Foster from a team, but I had Roethlisberger on my team last year. Uh, I had Adrian Peterson on a team last year, and I had Zeke Elliott on a team uh, in the past as well. So, And me knowing that there were incidents surrounding these players. So right. I, just, I'm not uh, going to sit here. I, I want to win money. I tell you, I want to win money, and if they have to win money, bottom line is I'm going to I'm going to have them on my teams, or I'm going to bet on those teams, whatever it is. Uh, how I feel about them? Not like I have a tough time saying how I feel about these players. I don't, and I know Cowboy fans are all up in arms about uh, the Elliott thing. Oh, he got six games, and Harry Keel gets away with it. One big difference is that Elliott was the one case where the complaining witness did testify to the NFL. You know, and you heard prosecutors believed her. You know, obviously the NFL yes. believed her, and that's that's a huge difference. They, there wasn't enough evidence there. You know, you go back to Roethlisberger, you read that transcript. They, you can see why the NFL suspended him, and I can also see why they couldn't prosecute him. You know, there just that's wasn't right. enough. It's pretty much a he said, she said, but it obviously it happened. I think they said it with Elliot. It probably happened. You know, Elliot's far from innocent in all this, and the complaining witness kept up. Tyreek Hill, once again, the witness did not. You know, I think maybe Elliot didn't have enough money. I witness. don't know. Greg right, Hardy was great, convicted, and then that's a he had a right example. to a second trial, and the that's a little weird in Carolina, by the way. You have a, a right, yeah, you get two shot, two bites at the apple. I mean, that's yeah. just stupid, in my yeah. mind. That's, that's a weird Carolina law. Yeah. Um. So Greg Hardy, you know, Cowboys fans ended up having to root for Greg Hardy. Uh, obviously, you wouldn't have wanted to recruit that guy to the team, but when the owner says he's good to go, then you just deal with it. So, well, Jerry Jones, unfortunate a big time enabler. Yeah. Yeah, it's been that way for a long time with him. So anyway, that's where we're at uh right now with Tyreek Hill. Um he's currently going uh, the the ADPs Second on round him. Pick. Yeah, the ADPs on him are obviously reflective well, they, they, of what they, people they thought matter. might happen. But, right. So they don't matter when you look at them right now. Second uh, as round George pick. said, where would you put him amongst the wide receivers now? PPR league. You got Hopkins, Adams, Thomas, Julio, Odell, Juju, Antonio Brown. Where do you put him? He's in I'd there. Put him ahead of Ju- I'd put him ahead of Juju. Uh, I'd probably put I'd, – I'd have Brown uh, ahead of Juju as well. Uh, I just think, once again, uh, they got the little ball an awful lot to him. But he's second round, so he's top seven to me. You want to put him at six, you want to put seven, whatever it is. But he's right in there with those guys. Now, we are hearing some noise that uh, you know the, uh, he's a free agent and the Chiefs are trying to sign him. 
But uh, the contract's way off. That Terry Kill wants $20 million a year. Once again, bad time to be trying to get a contract extension here. There is a court case going on with Hill, by the way. If any new information comes out, he still could get suspended. It's not That's a criminal right. court. It's with a child court thing, and who knows what will come out there. But uh, uh, if there's a, a rumor going on that the Chiefs would, might trade him. I don't. Once again, I don't think this is – I think this is all just leverage as far as uh, what's going on here. But uh, keep that in mind here. There's also a rumor that came out. That Ezekiel Elliott is going to hold out that he's planning a vacation. And he will, uh, you know, Dallas Cowboy training camp opens in six days. And he's planning a vacation. He'll be good to Europe. He won't be around for it. And I, I, with Hill and Elliott, I, the reason I bring these both up, boy, are they picking the wrong time to pull something like this. You have no leverage here. Hill just got, you know, skated by barely from getting suspended. It's still a court case going on. And Elliott also did the same thing. He skated by at the meeting with Goodell and all the problems he's had. He's going to try and pull it now. These are different from Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon's done nothing wrong. That's as far as we know uh, in uh, in life. You know, it's, so it's just strange that Hill and Elliott. Uh, the Elliott thing, by the way, has only been reported by one person. I think it was, I forget the outlet that reported it. It wasn't a major one. It wasn't like ESPN or something like that. Uh, so I don't know how true the uh, that is. And uh, like I said, the, part, the fact that it's only reported by one person is strange to me because you would think it would be picked up by other outlets if it was true, if it was definitely true. But I just I, if it is true, I just find it strange with both these guys that they would pull this one um, after going through so much bad publicity. You know, the fans won't be on your side. And generally, that's what helps with uh, these kind of situations, have the fans on your side. So interesting if both these guys decide to pull stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, to George's point, training camps have already started for just about ev- most rookies at this point, And there are veterans that have reported to camp. The Falcons report today. The Broncos uh, have already reported. I think they're playing in that Hall of Fame game. Um Let's see who else is in camp already from a veteran standpoint. I think there's only two more Sundays without football, right? Just this Sunday and next. And then we have football. Yeah. Yeah. Falcons. So the Falcons and Denver veterans are in camp. uh, And most of the rookies are in already. You got teams like the Titans and a couple of others whose rookies aren't there just yet. So um, I don't know who's playing in that Hall of Fame game, but I I believe Denver is in it. So that makes sense that they're there already. Nonetheless, imagine uh, if they were playing tonight. God, nine thousand degrees. Good luck. You'd have to. You'd have to hope for one of those. Um, uh, remember, a couple of years ago, they could play the Hall of Fame game because there was like a turf issue. You'd have to. Yeah, the field for again. One of those. Yeah. Have to be hoping for one of those situations again. But uh, nonetheless, we'll continue to talk football, whether it's Tyreek Hill uh, or anybody else. Um, as far as other major stories around you're going to start hearing more and more uh one interesting thing that i was listening to during the week was about washington and that doug williams had come out a couple of weeks ago and stated that there was going to be a group decision on who would start at quarterback now we probably will catch this on the other side of the break but safe to say that Dwayne Haskins starting is the primary objective for Jay Gruden and that entire franchise. I think this is interesting in Washington. Uh, we'll get we'll talk more about this, but uh, yeah. uh, I guess the joke would be that group is uh, there's one person in that group, and that's called Daniel Snyder. Yeah, that's the problem. All right, so let's talk about Dwayne Haskins after the break. Mike and George on Weekend Fantasy Update. We'll be back right after this. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Back on Weekend Fantasy Update, and the dog days of summer are here. So try to pad your account before football season. Swing for the fences playing Daily Fantasy Baseball with DailyRoto.com. Become the eighth Daily Roto lineup optimizer user to win a million bucks in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament, or become one of the countless number of people who have won thousands of dollars playing DFS. So if you're playing MLB DFS 
and you're not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong, George. So enter the promo code FNTSY for a 10% discount, and you'll get lineup alerts, projected ownership percentages, weather updates. It's hot. It's the big weather update. Fantasy projections and use of the same Daily Roto lineup optimizers that have produced millions in DFS winnings. That's the 2019 MLB Daily Roto premium package at DailyRoto.com. Use promo code FNTSY and get your 10% discount today. So, super hot. There's your... Uh, that's your breaking up. news. Yeah, I mean, it's balls are going to start flying out, right? Just they have been all year. I hope so. so we, we haven't seen no enough update. home runs this year. <laughs> it's not like, you know, so. yeah, it's not like we haven't seen that. But uh, Yanks, you know, hitting some bombs over the weekend. But it's the Yanks. They actually scored eleven runs yesterday without hitting a home run. That was kind of amazing. But um, back to Dwayne Haskins, which I've said that. The second he got picked, whether Jay Gruden wanted him to get picked or not, doesn't really matter. Dan Snyder wanted him picked, so he's on the team. The only, the primary objective for Washington this year was making sure for Jay Gruden was making sure Haskins could start by week one. I don't think any of those other guys matter, obviously, on the roster. And they need to get him there. Uh, as you and I have talked about, I, I think Washington's roster top to bottom is kind of underrated and i actually think jay gruden's a good coach but it's a tough division their schedule's not exactly easy out of the gate and i've heard some rumblings some things i've read some things i've heard that this could be jay gruden's last year in washington if things don't go well and that's a tough start for them you and i have gone over it at philly hosting dallas hosting chicago at giants not a tough not a good team this year, but divisional rival. Then the Pats. That's the first five weeks. So for a rookie quarterback, that ain't going to be easy. Now, first of all, I completely agree with you. You know about uh, about Washington. You put the Giants in this category. Cardinals too. When you draft the rookie quarterback early, your first and only job is to develop that quarterback. It's we know in the NFL, it's a quarterback-driven league. If you have one, you're good. You don't, you're not. It's really it's really that simple. You know, and the better quarterback you have, all the better chance that you're going to go far. Uh, so I think by far the most important thing is to develop that quarterback. Uh, is he ready to start week one? You know, maybe you got to start him late. You mentioned at Philadelphia, Dallas, Chicago. Those are three of the better defenses in the uh, certainly in the NFC, if not the NFL. So good luck. Good luck there. You decide to start him there. But you bring up another uh, point that I've said many times here, and I'll even go further. From what I've heard, this is Grudis a make or break year for him, and playoffs almost have to be in consider. Uh, he almost has to make the playoffs in order to keep his job. So what does he think? You know, once again, this is where real life comes in. He has to know where. Oh man, if I start Haskins from week one, we're probably going zero and three. Yeah, where Keenum maybe we could squeeze out one of those two games, one of those three games. That's still probably unlikely, mind you, but maybe. You know, you can start zero and three. You know, you get the Giants. All right, we'll give you a win there. Then you get New England. Now you're one and four at best. You know, you do get Miami, but then it's San Fran, Mini, Buffalo. Yeah, good luck there. You know, I know Buffalo has no offense, but it has a championship defense in my mind. So uh, it, it's, I mean, look, look it's not going to happen for Washington this year. That's the bottom but line. It go, but it but goes it, back to the other point that I was making about Doug Williams, who's a, an advisor, senior advisor, saying it's going to be a group decision. So Jay Gruden might not even get to make the call. Do you know what I mean? If he's saying, well, Keenum gives us a shot, hypothetical, Keenum gives us a better shot in September to rip off a couple of wins here, I don't want to throw the rookie in because he's not ready to go against defense X, Y, and Z. They might be say, they might say, well, you're overruled, and we're playing Dwayne because that's the job and that's the way the franchise is going. Then it's all going to go south. I, I honestly thought people were underrating Washington between the draft and now and I in the last few weeks I've started to change my mind once I heard Doug Williams say that it threw a wrench in the works for me because it means that he just might not have control of the situation anymore if he ever did it's not he doesn't have control just like with Jerry Jones Garrett doesn't have control the same kind of owner you know way too hands-on here so I don't think they have any control at all that being said you know I always try I try and think Mike okay you know, it was the Giants, I think week seven makes sense. Then you look at the schedule, it just works out perfectly. You got a longer, longer break. You have a Thursday night game. You start at home against a weaker team. You know, you look at Washington. If you want to look for the perfect week, if you don't start on week one, it's really not there. It's just not there. 
I mean, starting at Philadelphia, division foe, really good team, really good defense. In Philly? Yeah, boy, that, that's far from perfect. And then you get your uh, you know your main rival, Dallas, and Chicago back-to-back. And you took, once again, two very good teams, very good defenses. That's not perfect. The Giant game would seem to be the way you'd want it, but it's on the road. You want to start them on the road. The home game's against New England the next week. Uh, you, you don't like that. At Miami, once again, generally they like to start them at home. So at Miami would seem to be good, but it's, at, it's on the road. But maybe at Miami is the perfect week. But as you said, Snyder might say, screw it. We drafted him. We're starting in week one. And to tell you the truth, Mike, I said, I, I don't think this is going to be Washington G. I think they're a decent team. Might get the six, seven wins at most. But that's it. Their defense is good. Team. They have defensive Defense talent. is good. It is. But your first job was with the quarterback here. I don't know if Snyder would necessarily be wrong if he said, listen, we're starting Haskins from week one. We'll eat it this year. Yeah, I don't think that as long as Haskins is ready to play and you're not going to stunt his development by starting week one, I'm okay with that. Because I do believe wholeheartedly as far as, once again, uh, we all know uh, Kyle Murray is going to start from week one. But as far as Jones and Haskins to start, you want them to get rid of their rookie blues, their rookie problems in week one, uh, in the first season. This way, next season you start to start and you can start from scratch here. I, I just don't want these guys, if I'm a coach or if I'm running a team, to have their rookie problems next year. And now I'm giving up two years. You know, I want to get it out of the way this year. That's that's wholeheartedly what I believe. So if Haskins is ready to start week one, I'm starting week one. That's the bottom line. You know, Keenum, is, shouldn't, Keenum shouldn't be stopping anybody. Not that Eli Manning should either. But we all know there's no chance in hell that Daniel Jones starts week one, especially since they're playing Dallas. They're I know Josh Allen got that. banged up last year, but, like, he played 11 games last year. They went five and six in his games in Buffalo. But I still don't get the impression that, I, I, I don't think he washed away his rookie blues, to your point. He threw 320 passes. Well, the you problem know, with Josh not... Allen is, have you seen the offense? No. You terrible. can't judge him this year either. I mean, he's got names of Frank Gore, LaShawn McCoy, well past that. Prime T.J. Yeldon's there. He's got a wide receiver core that's like, oh, my God, do you even have a number two? I mean, Beasley, Brown. I mean, maybe Forster develops as Zay Jones. Who the hell knows? You have no Tyler Croft at tight end. It's just not fair. It's just not fair to Josh Allen. And that defense is championship caliber. I think that defense is going to be great, but you're not going to win games to nothing. Yeah, we talked you're with Ryan not. Talbot last weekend, and he thinks, I mean, they finished second in the league last year in yards allowed. He thinks that they could be a top five defense again. So I to agree. go back to Haskins for a minute, here's the one thing I'd say about Washington. I know you're setting it up like what would be maybe the best, the ideal place to get him started. Here's what I would say. The franchise is telling you, we got to make the playoffs. You can't go into a season, in my opinion, saying, well, we'll we'll get whatever we can out of Keenum and then bring in the rookie and we'll piece it together for a playoff season. That's not a playoff season. To me, that means things have gone wrong and you got to switch it up, which is what happened in Baltimore last year, which means, yes, you can do it, you can make the playoffs by using two different quarterbacks, but that wasn't their plan. It was their last year of Flacco. They said, let's get whatever we can out of Flacco, but he was so bad they had to bench him and put in a rookie so he could just run the ball uh, 500 times. And I, I just don't think that that's a, a, pl- a, a plan of success for a team to go into a season saying, like, well, uh, here's what we get out of Case or Colt, and then we'll bring in Dwayne in week seven when uh, everything's hunky-dory. He's got to be ready to go. If you're going to make the playoffs, yeah, it's a rookie quarterback, but sorry, Jay Gruden, that's the job. I, I think Jay Gruden's honestly better off just getting fired here and going somewhere oh, I else. I think it's a wayward franchise because the owner is too involved. They got Bruce right. Allen Anybody there. who watches is better off getting fired. He's better off. I, th- I think he's a legit NFL head coach, and he can really coach offense. And he's never been given the best team. You could say that you can make mis- he's made mistakes, and I'm sure Washington fans are probably hearing me and saying, you're nuts. The guy doesn't know what he's doing because of X, Y, and Z. I'm just looking at the entire landscape and saying, like, would I rather have him or Matt Patricia? Jay Gruden. Would I rather have him or Zach Taylor? I'm taking Jay Gruden. Would I rather have him or five other guys? I'm taking Jay Gruden. I, I just think that he's the type of guy that could coach. Hell, if things don't go well in Pittsburgh, they don't make a lot of changes, but it's the first time I'm hearing that Tomlin's job may really be on the line. Like, it may line up that Jay Gruden has familiarity in the division. He's a good offensive coach, and he can develop Ben and whomever is behind Ben after that. So, 
anyway, there's I'm off my soapbox. I, I just think that not giving Gruden the choice of who to start a quarterback already has me backpedaling from me saying that Washington is underrated. Yeah, listen, I, I believe owners should own, general manager, general manager, coaches, coach. You know, the general manager's job is to get the coach, the players, the uh, coach's job is to then decide who uh, who starts, that sort of thing. So I think it should be Gruden's choice, but I don't think it is. You know, I don't think it's Tuck Williams' choice either, by the way. You know, I think, once again, I think Snyder's going to come in there and say, hey, Haskins is starting. Pretty much, unless, unless, unless Haskins falls on his face in preseason, is terrible, obviously is not ready, I'd be surprised if he's not starting week one. Yeah, that's just the way I, I read it in the situation. That being said, I'm not saying I would start him. If I was the, if I had choice, you know, I, I probably, I really don't want to start him at Philadelphia week one. I can't see that how that works out. And then your division rival Dallas in week two. That Chicago game that I keep mentioning is a Monday night game. I mean, that's not going to be pretty there. Chicago may have the, if not the best defense in the league, certainly one of them. I mean, the soft landing is sort of a Giants in week four. It's on the road, unfortunately. You'd rather have that game at home, but that's really the soft landing there. Or you wait to my uh, Miami in week six, another soft landing. You know, how that's probably maybe the softest landing you're going to have all season, as far as the Dolphins are concerned. But uh, I don't think uh, Daniel Snyder is going to think like that. You know, I don't think uh, I think he's thinking probably wrong. He wants to uh, sort of incite, you know, get the fan base all excited about Haskins, and that's all fine and good. But you don't want you just don't want to stunt this kid's development. That's the bottom line here. You don't want to stunt his development. And if starting if waiting till week six makes sense, that's what I would do. Yeah, I said maybe he looks great in preseason. Oh, he's ready to start week one. We must see that. You know, because like I said, Keenum shouldn't be stopping anybody. You know, if Haskins is ready, he should start. But you need to be really honest with yourself. Is Haskins ready? And that that's going to be the big question here. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, interesting story I saw today, too, on Pro Football Talk. Running back Marshall Fox, NFL career ended with a bust in the Hall of Fame. I, those of you that watched us last season saw uh, Marshall was on Fantasy Sports Radio Network doing Sunday morning shows with me and Gabe and, and others. Um, he's now embarking on a new football path. He's exploring the possibility of becoming an agent. I found that was pretty interesting. So I think we're seeing a lot of former players and certainly personalities getting into the sports management uh, arena in a way that we haven't seen before. I think a lot of this has been spurred by guys like Jay-Z, a uh, hip-hop artist who really started a, a sports agency. Uh, we see LeBron James and his tight-knit group of friends from growing up start a sports agency. It's sort of an interesting turn that we're seeing high-profile players that have had a lot of success uh, take this turn into sports management. And I think you know, since we were talking about D. Smith and Eric Winston and, and the the CBA, it's it's certainly not a good thing for the NFL with players with that level of experience that have been on now conceivably both sides of the well the same side of the table, but in two different roles. It'd be interesting to see how that could change certain dynamics in the way that players would negotiate. Do you know what I mean? Well, let's think about it, it's like with the Mets, right? BVW went from an agent. Yeah. So hop to the other side, a general manager. And uh, so how's that going to work out there? I'm surprised Marshall Folk would want to do this. I, I wonder sometimes the players think oh, it's an easy job. Let's negotiate a contract. There's work you got to put in there. Do you want to put in that kind of work? You know, yeah. Also recruiting. Yeah, you have a name, but still, you know, so does Drew, uh, Drew's, uh, Rosenhaus, who has a bigger name than you as far as an agent everybody wants to go to. You know, Scott Boris, everybody flocks to in baseball. You know, that sort of thing. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. I, I do find that interesting, though, that he'd want to uh, go that direction. And uh, it would be it would be fun to be in on those meetings, you know, uh, in full yeah. negotiating for player A with, uh, you know, with Jerry Jones. I, I, I'd i love to see that. Yeah. Um, uh, one other piece of news, Darren Sproles coming back. He announced on Friday that the Eagles announced on Friday that Darren Sproles signed as if they don't have enough running backs. (laughs) Uh, Why? He's 36 years old, so we were bashing um, uh, McCoy and and Frank Gore. Uh, I believe Darren Sproles is a year older than Frank Gore, so 36 year old tailback has 3,500, almost 3,500 career rushing yards and nearly 5,000 receiving yards. So he played in six games last year, both postseason games. Uh, gives them an added mix to that running back core, which we already can't figure out. Um, I don't know how many touches he'll get, but 
it doesn't help to try to figure this out further. To to all you Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard truthers, uh, there's one more name in the mix to add to your DFS mix, at least on a weekly basis. I mean, a nightmare. I mean, I, saw, I heard this yesterday. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Another <laughs> cook in the kitchen here? I mean, yeah. oh, God. Uh, no. Uh, it's, I'm, just, I'm not pretty much just staying away from all Philadelphia running backs and, and redraft leagues. Uh, I, I do like Miles Sanders in uh, maybe keeper leagues. Maybe something breaks out there. But we know Doug Peterson believes in using a lot of backs. He's not going to have one back. He just doesn't believe yeah. in that. He believes you rotate the backs there. And this is what the thing Adam Gay so with Le'Veon Bell as well. He doesn't believe in paying one running back. He he thinks his system can run better with any back. He doesn't need to pay a big time back. He'd rather spend the money elsewhere. So uh, I always get curious when I hear these things. And sometimes there was the general manager would listen to their coaches uh, and what they like and what their system requires or doesn't require. Yep. Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood, uh, Darren Sproles. It's a good mix. Talented, but doesn't help us at all come back we're going to talk about justice hill for the baltimore ravens after this from the nfl to the nba dailyroto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy you can get the best dfs nfl coverage all season long for a price of 129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the elite package at 59.99 per month if you use the promo code fntsy you get 10 percent off your daily roto package go to dailyroto.com pick your nfl or elite package enter promo code fntsy and you'll be on your way to becoming the next daily roto millionaire Welcome back. Mike and George on Weekend Fantasy Update. I uh, teased it before the break. Uh, Davis Maddock of RotoExperts.com. You can find him on Twitter at Davis Maddock, M-A-T-T-E-K. Uh, he wrote an article about Justice Hill recently, who is draft pick of the Baltimore Ravens. And he titled it League Winner, Justice Hill. And I, I think he's doing it in the sense of who's the type of guy that you can get a little bit later in drafts that has a path. George, to potentially becoming a starter or having an increased role. Now, the Ravens' rushing offense is pretty muddied, right? We still have Lamar Jackson, who's picking up a lot of carries. One would assume they'll try to reduce that per game, but we'll see. They signed Mark Ingram in the offseason. He's 30 years old, obviously has an injury history. New team for him. Is he going to be the dedicated workhorse back? Maybe not. Gus Edwards, I believe, had 115 carries last year. Uh, and they got Kenny Dixon there, too, but he may find his way off the roster. Justice Hill is the fourth-round draft pick out of Oklahoma State. Speedy back, not necessarily your typical workhorse because he's in all that big, but an explosive player and a guy that he was a three-year starter at Oklahoma State. He pushed NFL running back Chris Carson, this is all according to Davis Maddock, to a complementary role despite Carson starting the year before. So he racked up 3,539 rushing yards in three seasons at Oklahoma State. He caught 49 passes, 31 total touchdowns, uh, and he led the Big 12 in rushing in 2017. So the, the thought process here is for a team that's running as much as they do, you've got Ingram who the best way – to maximize Mark Ingram is to probably throttle down the amount of touches he gets, George, at the beginning of the season. But Justice Hill may have a path to be a guy in a rush-heavy offense with some explosivity, and then uh, he could be a tremendous later-round pick. I'll look up where his ADP is, but give me your thoughts on him first. Well, the problem with someone like Justice Hill is this, uh, and you already stated it, Lamar Jackson is going is gonna to run. Uh, granted, it probably won't be as much uh, as we saw in his uh, starts last year. Because if, if he runs that much, he'll be in the hospital. You know, Soleil is going to take a hit that he can't uh, get back up from. He's not built like Cam Newton. And we've seen what, we've seen what happened to Cam Newton after a while. Even those hits add up here. So I don't think uh, they want him running as much as he did last year. But he is going to run. Which means he's going to take away some uh, some touchdowns and carries. You got Mark Ingram. Right? He's there. Uh, he's assigned that they're free agent. You're not going to forget about him. He's going to be involved and maybe heavily involved. 
in the offense. All right. And you got uh, Gus Edwards there. And Gus Edwards really had a nice year last year. You know, he averaged 5.2 yards a carry. Yeah. You know, great. I he was drafted on a draft. Scott Fishball team. Right. Yeah. He had just 137 carries. It was a small, he wasn't a small sample size. That's fine. But it was a damn good small sample size. You know, you would have thought this team could have, uh, could have lived with Ingram, Edwards, and you know, whatever Lamar Jackson does. That being said, you know, Justice Hill could be the, and during the draft, could have been best player available. That's why they took him. And I'm also to believe you could probably never have enough running backs because, once again, these guys are going to, uh, a lot of car collisions there, they're going to get hurt. Uh, to say that he's going to be that guy, here's the problem in drafts. Not that I disagree. He certainly could be. He'll probably need an injury, yeah, maybe two. Uh, but Lamar Jackson's a problem. Because he's going to run. He's going to steal some touchdowns there. That's going to be an issue with me with someone like Hill. But with someone like Hill, yeah, you can draft him. Most uh, fantasy drafts are 18 rounds, right? So we save around 17 and 18 for our kicker and our defense. Although I'd really like people to get rid of those too and just look at more flex. Hell, play IDP. But whatever. Uh, so you're going to draft Hill in round 14, round 15. And these are the first guys you get rid of when the hot player comes on board in weeks one, two, and three, or when the bye weeks start. You need that uh, bye week filler. So it's all great to say, you know, these, this is the kind of guy who might pay off in week nine. But by week nine, they're already gone because you already needed that spot filled. Or your injuries come up. You just needed the spot filled for somebody else. Yeah, so it's easy to say that now. Hard to hold on to these guys. In most normal leagues, we only have five reserve slots. Yeah, if you're playing a league with 10, 12 reserves, you know, which, hey, Scott Fishbowl, you mentioned, we have a hell of a lot of reserves. Yeah, you can hold on to them. <laughs> you can hold on and wait. But in most leagues, it's hard to be patient with these guys. Yeah, the good news is um, Justice Hill is going right now 52nd running back off the board, depending on what ADPs you're looking at. I'm on NFC right now. He's around guys like Deion Lewis, Peyton Barber, Adrian Peterson, Devin Singletary, Kalen Balaj, Duke Johnson, those types of names, Alexander Madison. So he is being drafted in your redraft leagues, but pretty late. He's 152 here uh, overall. So, you know, you're getting double-digit rounds. It's just the type of guy you're going to take a shot on. I'm saying maybe versus some of these other guys. You know, like Peyton Barber, a Devin Singletary, Justice Hill could be an interesting option. Uh, I'm not I'm not a huge believer in Gus Edwards, but to George's point, on a run-heavy team, he isn't a dynamic back at all, but he's just going to get enough cracks that he's worth having hanging around your roster, you know? The 137, does that get pot? Like, Alex Collins had 114 carries. Kenny Dixon had 60 last year. Um, they they both caught twenty passes combined. Th- those touches have to go elsewhere, right? And Lamar Jackson had one hundred and forty seven carries in only seven games. What do you think his carries are this year, Lamar Jackson? I mean, in, on a per game basis, that's absurd. You know, his carries twenty times a game. It's not going to happen like that. Is it ten again? No, he'd be dead. Does he'd be dead? Is it I think a lot of this, Mike, depends. Like, can he throw? Does his throwing improve? It wasn't good last year. You know, it wasn't good at all. I, I assume it's going to improve. He's had an entire offseason to work on this. I'm sure the Ravens have been with him as much as they, but as much as the rules allow to get him ready. So I assume his throws improve. Listen, when I say you don't want him to run, he is a running quarterback. You don't want. You're not going to get rid of it completely, but you want to curb it down. You certainly want to teach him slide. He's not that big. All right, get down. Right, he's not. He's thin. That's what I mean. He one of these hits is going to put him out. I think he's going to be a quarterback in the, in the NFL who doesn't never play 16 games because he's going to be injured like sometimes. He just can't make or, or he can't make it. Through. Yeah, if I'm Baltimore, they're one of those things you, you better have a damn good backup quarterback because there's going to be games, or, it, it, games he misses or games where he can't, uh, he can't finish. You know, series he missed here and there because he's banged up, that sort of thing. So they're going to need a good backup quarterback there. And RG3, probably not that. Although with RG3, you might have a similar quarterback. But then again, RG3 hasn't played in so many years now. You know, we'll see how that works out there. So uh, I, I do like, fantasy-wise, I like Lamar Jackson as a quarterback too. I like him a lot. He's a safe play. You think about Lamar Jackson, fantasy-wise. Uh, we'll give him 60 yards rushing a game. Well, there's a touchdown. There's six points. Give him 175 yards passing, which is really nothing. But that's seven more points, 13. You know, if he just uh, throws one touchdown pass, now we're up to 17 points, and he's done nothing. Think about it, nothing. 175 yards, 60 yards passing, and one touchdown pass. 
Yeah. yeah. He's a safe, safe play. It's conservative, but he's a safe play in fantasy. The only problem is when I say quarterback two, I'm assuming you're playing in a super flex league or a two quarterback league. Because of the injury worry there, I'm going to need a third quarterback, which you want in those leagues anyway. You know, you always want a third quarterback in super flex and, uh, and two quarterback leagues. But Lamar Jackson's injury worry t- uh, to me is higher because you I do think his passing will improve. And I think Aston. he could end up putting he's going to have a few games where he just puts on a fantasy show. I think it's just, you know, runs in for a couple, throws for a couple. To your, you just use the same yardage that you just did. I, I, it, it'll ultimately happen. I think the team will be good enough to put him in position a couple of times. You know, the the the, the rushing stats are so crazy. They 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 ran for a league, league leading 547 times, but under Lamar Jackson, they ran 316 times in only seven games. So. 316 divided by 7, 46 times a game. So they were the most run-heavy team the NFL had seen since the 1970s. Since 2015, there have only been 11 instances of a team running more than 47 times in a game. Since 2015, 11 instances. And four of those were Baltimore last year. So clearly, it changed dramatically once Lamar got in there mainly because he was running so much. So he set the most rushing attempts by a quarterback in a single season last year. He only started in seven games. He averaged 4.7 yards per carry. So the two other Ravens had over 114 carries, and four running backs saw more than 40 carries for the Ravens in 2015. So Javorius Allen and Alex Collins are no longer on the roster, and Kenny Dixon's not likely to be on the team. So that's why we're moving these carries around. Obviously, a whole bunch go to Ingram. Lamar is going to be what Lamar is. I what would you, I would slot him in at ten carries a game, say one sixty. It probably goes north of that, but that's probably your your over under is probably a little higher than that. One seventy five on the year. Is that what you would do? That sounds. I think ten a game is probably right on. So yeah, I do agree with you. It probably does slot higher, especially when these games get close and he's running for his life more often here. But teams are also going to game plan for this. We didn't see that as much last year until the playoffs. Right when the Chargers game plan, they they pretty much shut him down. But he's going to game plan for that now. Uh, listen, that'll go away if he can prove he can pass. If the receivers are proved to be a danger, then they have to play it more straightforward. But if his passing doesn't improve or doesn't improve enough, you know, teams going to game plan to stop him from his running and force him to throw to beat them. Because right now, if I'm a defensive coordinator, that's what I'm doing. Let's see if he can beat me with his arm. You know, I'm not letting him beat me with his legs. You know, the Chargers did that, and he couldn't beat him with his arm last year. So we'll see. Uh, I, I have to believe he's improved. I have to believe that. You know, yeah. Once again, rookie, uh, he should improve year to year. Uh, and if he ever develops into a, just an average quarterback throwing the football, my God, is he going to be dangerous. And fantasy-wise, yeah. I, I said it before, those numbers I pointed out were nothing. That was 16 touchdown passes a season. That's nothing. I wasn't even including any rushing touchdowns there. You know, And he got 17 points. I mean, fantasy-wise, he's the guy you want on your team. Because the... the your floor is high, and the upside is great. And there will be some weeks he'll win you a week all by himself because you're right. He'll have some monster weeks where he does throw for 300 yards, two touchdowns, runs one in, and you know, maybe yep. even runs for 80, 90 yards. And those are going to be big That's numbers right. there. So I right. uh, see he's a guy on my fantasy team I want in a, two, a, two, uh, in a league where I can start two quarterbacks. But I am wary. You know, 175 carries, he's slight of build, Mike. I mean, man, he's thin. You know, Michael Vick thin. And I think Michael Vick might have been a little thicker, a little stronger, a little uh, a little muscular. Uh, Look, I'm not as high. I'm not as high on Lamar Jackson as some of our uh, some other analysts are, but I did watch him enough in college to think that I think he can work this out. Now, the fear I had was exactly what happened last year. You couldn't deny, even as good as his passing stats are, he won the Heisman Trophy. He ran the ball in his last two seasons at Louisville. 400 times you don't just stop doing it when you get to the nfl you're running the ball 200 times a year in college you you're better than everybody so it's a weapon that you've utilized but it's got to stop so maybe it'll take some time hopefully he has a better trajectory on this than rg3 had because rg3 couldn't figure out how to get out of his own way and take hits and it nearly ended his NFL career, which continues. I'm happy to see him as a backup, even if it's Lamar's backup. So, anyway, I know this ended up being a, a Ravens talk, but to bring it back to Hill, Davis and the Roto Experts 
projections have him just a shade over 100 carries and over 35 targets, which aren't necessarily eye-popping numbers, as Davis says here. But it's not far off of the projections of fantasy points per game from guys like Jarek McKinnon, Kalen Balaj, Jalen Samuels, and Ronald Jones. So with Mark Ingram being a sometimes injured player and Lamar Jackson, as George just uh, perfectly stated, is going to get himself hurt potentially. You could see a, a, a far bigger wor- workload being thrust upon Justice Hill, plus the Ravens coaches have stated that he's going to be active in the passing game. Explosive player, opportunity to, at, to be a part of the offense immediately, and once you know a guy's promised the offense immediately, that gives him a really good path. I don't know what to think of Ronald Jones. Guy put on 15 pounds, and he's saying he's in better shape than ever? I don't know. That, that doesn't sound, it's not a positive to me. You couldn't get on the field last year? He took like 90 snaps the whole year. You're a rookie running back. They want you to play. You can only take 90 snaps, Ronald Jones? Really? So, anyway, Justice Hill. Good article by this Mac. I, I suggest you read it. Uh, and a path to somebody who's being drafted in the, you know, over 150th overall, uh, an opportunity for him to positively impact your offense. I, I wouldn't necessarily look to the Ravens for anything other than running, but here we are. Oh, I agree. Ravens are going to be a run-first team. I think I don't think that's a big shock to anybody. Certainly shouldn't be. Uh, I know they've done some things to upgrade the uh, receiving core. I do like the tight end somewhat there. Like they, they uh, can be useful. We'll see how it works out. Uh, but overall, this is a team that I think is still in a learning progression. I think when you have this kind of quarterback, the progression is a little longer. You know, it'll be longer than it might be for Haskins or Daniel Jones, guys who are uh, pure passers, because not only you have to learn the passing game, but you learn their running game too. And what I mean by that with Lamar Jackson is you have to learn to get out of bounds. Don't fight for the extra yards. Slide. These linebackers that are coming after you are going to kill you. You know, they're not looking to tackle you. They're looking to take you out. You know, they see this kind of running quarterback. Yeah, you'll make some highlight plays. You'll make guys miss because of your speed. But sooner or later, one's going to line you up and hit you right. Justin Houston said it about Jimmy Garoppolo last year. Like, I, I don't think Jimmy necessarily – I, what happened in was a sort of a freakish ACL injury, but if he had just walked out of bounds, it probably doesn't happen to him. He tried to throw in a shot on the D-back as Jimmy Garoppolo was sort of jogging out of bounds, and Justin Houston said after the game, he's like, I, look, I feel bad for him, but you can't do that. He said, if you're going to last in this league, you can't be a quarterback and throwing extra hits before you get out of bounds. And it sucked that he lost a whole year for the torn ACL, but it was on him to not do that. And I thought Justin Houston's attitude was indicative of what you're saying. We're gonna if you give us a chance, we're gonna try and knock you out of the game. You ended up knocking yourself out, but don't give us the opportunity. Listen, I understand the quarterback wanting to feel like he's a part of a team, be tough and go for that extra yard. But if I'm the coach, if I'm, if I'm the players, if I'm his teammate, get the hell down, get the hell out of bounds. Chuck the ball out of bounds, kneel down, slide. Get out of that. You're going for a touchdown in an NFC Championship game? Go for it. But 